0: Uh, today we are going to be uh, starting our second half of Romans uh, chapter eleven. Um, thank you, worship team. Sorry, I didn't really give you a good uh, indication of that transition there. This is way better. <laughs> <Not a laughs> Amen. All right. You know, before we jump into this, let's uh, let's let's pray over the word too. Lots of you know, it's, we can't pray too much, can we? No. Lord, we just thank you. Uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Bible, for the scripture uh, that has been um, preserved from generation to generation, uh, that we can study it, that we can know you better. Uh, we just pray that you would um, bless uh, this message, Lord, that you would, that you by your Holy Spirit would take the words that are spoken and speak into our hearts in a way that we can uh, take it and use it in our lives today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Uh, like I mentioned, uh, this is kind of part two. I know we're in like, I don't know, part 20-something of Romans, but uh, Romans chapter 11 really felt like kind of one big thought. So this is kind of part two of Romans chapter 11. Um, Paul has been explaining the current condition of Israel and what that means to us as non-Jews or as Gentiles, as he refers to us. Uh, Leading up to this chapter, both in chapters 9 and 10, uh, they started out with Paul really expressing his, his passion and this deep heartache that he has for the nation of Israel, his people. Uh, even though Paul was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles, he continued to pray for Israel and as he went out uh, to the distant cities and spread the gospel further and further out, he always went to the Jews first. He still had a heart for them, still wanted to give them a chance to receive the gospel message. And uh, and he he had this unwavering hope in him that someday they would receive the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. So last week we read verse 11, and we're kind of going to use this one verse as just kind of a recap of last week. Uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 11 said, "Did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles." but he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. So um, there's a few things that we see in this one verse. First is that he calls them God's people. So this is after Christ's death and resurrection, and, and he's still referring to them as God's people. So Israel is God's people. God chose them, and, and they remain his people. They were disobedient is the second thing that we see. So they rejected Christ, as I said, they rejected him both before he was crucified, and they also rejected him after his crucifixion and resurrection. Uh, this was not all of them, but, but most of them, many of them um, rejected. And as a result, it says that salvation was made available to the Gentiles. So because of their rejection, um, God made salvation available to to us um, this was always part of god's plan there was always going to be an opportunity for the whole world to be blessed through israel and so uh, this was part of god's ultimately god god knew this was was going to happen and so uh, we have salvation available to us because the jews rejected christ um also uh we see that he wanted his own people to become jealous so God was not giving up on Israel. God wouldn't want to make them jealous just to leave them jealous. He wanted to make them jealous so that one day they would claim it for themselves. So um, the desire was that he would see, that Israel would see us living according to the promise or living with the blessings and the promises that were originally meant for them. And they would see us partaking partaking in those and that they would become jealous and want those Uh, one day and they would return to him so with that brief brief recap let's jump in to this letter um, to the Romans where we left off starting in verse 15 verse 15 says for since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world their acceptance will be even more wonderful it will be life from the dead and then going into verse 16 says for the if the first fruit is holy the lump is also holy and if the root is holy so are the branches so paul is using two analogies here one he talks about the lump and then the other one he talks about a root or a tree the lump uh, is like a lump of dough and in this analogy it's kind of it's pointing back to uh, an offering that was done by the Israelites they were instructed by God to offer an offering for their harvest so they would they would take their harvest they would make a dough from it and they would make a cake and they would that first cake that they made would be offered to God and until they made this first fruit offering to God they were not to partake of the rest of the harvest but once that first fruit offering was made then the rest of the harf- harvest was was lawful deed it was it was holy so if the first fruit it was offered to God as holy then the rest was holy and we were. they were able to partake of it Um, so if the first fruit is holy the lump is also holy the second analogy that he gives is really just it's 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 saying the same thing but in a different way so the parts uh, represent the same things the the lump and the branches is the same as the root and the first fruit fruit so the second analogy, he's going to exp- and he's he's going to expand on the second one about the root and the tree and the verses coming, um, and he's saying that if the root is holy, so are the branches. That just in in nature we know that if, you know you can't have a, a plant that has bad roots and then have good branches. If if the root is bad, the plant is bad. If the root is good, the plant will be good. If it's going to be drawing nutrients. They're going to go somewhere. There's there's life if you have a good root. So the question is. Who is the first fruit, and who, uh, and who is the root, and who is the lump, and who's the branches? So, working backwards from the lump to the first fruits, if we kind of look in context, we can see that Paul is talking about Israel. He's talking about. The descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's, that's what this first part of the chapter has been talking about. How wonderful it would will be when when Israel, when the nation of Israel, comes back to God when they when they receive Christ, whom they've rejected. So Israel is the lump. So if Israel is the lump or the tree of branches, who are the first fruits? Who are the first people of Israel to offer themselves to be set apart? As God's holy people. And so when we look way back in in Genesis, back in chapter 12, we see that God chose a man named Abram from Ur of the Chaldeans and called him to separate himself from his people, from his land, from his family. And God made an everlasting covenant with him that he would be their God and that they would be his people. God instituted this this covenant, and they started it with Abram or Abraham, and then it passed on to Isaac and Jacob, and they were the first who carried this promise until it expanded out. So they they were the patriarchs of the faith. So it's possible that that those those three that that, that beginning uh, of the promise is the first fruit that that Paul is referring to. Um, it's also possible possible I, said, I think I said possible pa- it's possible. Uh, that he's referring to the, the early nation of Israel, um, the, the nation of Israel that was taken out of Egypt. They entered Egypt with... Uh, Joseph was there, and, and later his father and his brothers came in, so, so Israel entered Egypt as a father and 12 sons, and then when they left Egypt, they left as a, as a full nation. Um, as, as a, they, they multiplied greatly, and in Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 3 when he's speaking about this nation that is brought out of egypt uh, he says israel was holiness to the lord the first fruits of his increase so he refers to israel then this this nation taken out of egypt as being holy and being first fruits so it could be that he's that he's referring to this this early nation that's being pulled out of egypt and set apart as being a holy nation as unto god um, so either way, it, it's talking about the, the beginnings of this, this nation of Israel. Whether it goes all the way back to the, the first three patriarchs or whether it's talking about young Israel, uh, we're, we're talking about the first fruits as that the beginning of Israel. So as we move forward, Paul's going to expand on this analogy of the root and the branches, and, and uh, this is kind of the foundation that he's going to build on. And he's going to show how not all of the nation of israel was took part in being the root that some of them did not stay part of the the tree or the root Um, just because they were born an israelite um, doesn't mean that they are necessarily part of the tree and now we who were not born israelites we have the opportunity to be grafted into the tree of israel god's people so there's there's a nation of israel so all the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And within them, there, there seems to be this, this spiritual family of Israel, this, this uh, nation of Israel that is that is truly of the promise and of the faith of Abraham. Romans chapter 11, we're going to move forward into verse 17. It says, And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, that has to do with the blessings and promises that were given to Israel, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief they were broken off and you stand by faith. Don't be haughty, but fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. So who were these that were broken off? Um, they were, and, and, and also why were they broken off? Those who were broken off were the Jewish people. These were, they were, they they were, they were meant to be part of the tree, but by unbelief, which is the reason, by unbelief they were not, um, they were separated. They, they didn't remain part of the tree that they were intended to be part of. And this is, a, this is not a new thought as we've gone through Romans. This has been a thread all the way back in chapter 2. We read that um, just being born of a Jewish parent doesn't make you a true Jew, but that a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And Paul said again in chapter 4, we read how Abraham is the spiritual father, not of all Jews, but only the ones who have the same faith that he had. And then in chapter 9, we, Paul said again that not all who were born of the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. So, like I said, there's kind of a, a nation within a nation. There's, there's, there's those who were intended to be part of the tree, that were part of the promise, that were part of the family, and then there's those who held on to it through faith. So what is Israel? What is the olive tree? Israel is the nation of the promise. It is the one through whom which all the nations were meant to be blessed. Um, but no individual Israelite is forced to be part of the tree. No Israelites forced to be part of the tree. They, even those who were chosen, um, they they have the ability to choose whether they are going to believe or not believe. And this analogy um, Paul's using, he says some of the branches were broken off. When the Jews uh, rejected Christ, and I I talked about this a little bit last week, when they rejected Jesus and crucified him, the the curtain was torn. Israel was, their right standing with God was based on the, the Old Covenant sacrifices. And so as they, as a nation, made sacrifices to God, they were in right standing with God. But when jesus came and he died he put an end to that he he was the final perfect sacrifice no other sacrifice was needed um and and now no other sacrifice um had any value it didn't it it, it wasn't uh it, it that's that that whole covenant process of those animal sacrifices was done done with so if they continued with the animal sacrifices it didn't restore their right standing with god anymore and so um they they were no longer uh, connected. They were broken off because there was no connection to the root through that covenant. So now the Holy Spirit, the curtain was torn, the Holy Spirit was now uh, available to be poured out on anybody who would believe. And so we can be connected... Um, not just through the blood of, not just through right standing, but really through sonship. So there's, a, there's a, an even closer connection that we now have that's been brought through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Um, so through their rejection, salvation was made available to us, uh, or in this analogy, salvation was made available to us wild branches. We're, we're wild olive branches And now we are grafted into Israel, the nation of promise. They were broken off because of unbelief. We're grafted in because of faith. And we have become children of Abraham, part of the lump that was made holy uh, and set apart to God, just as Abraham was set apart to be the father of this nation, the father of the promise. Now, some people would say that uh, Israel's rejection has caused God to revoke his promise to Israel, and, uh, and that today the church is actually a, a different church. It's not the same tree. It's a, it's a new tree, and uh, that just doesn't sound, doesn't sound right to me. Uh, I think it doesn't line up with what Scripture says. Uh, it, it just doesn't sound like God, the idea that, that God would make a covenant and then void it. Like that's, not a, that's not a God sort of thing to do, um, we might reject God's promises. We might need not be faithful. But if you remember, uh, looking at the end of chapter 10, Paul said he was quoting Isaiah, or speaking, Isaiah was speaking for God. He said, God said, all day long, I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. God God stands there before Israel, his arms open all day long, waiting for them to come back. And then uh, Dan reminded me of a verse this last Wednesday Second Timothy 2, 11-13 says, This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he, will, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. So you see there's, everything seems to be, you know, matching until you get to this faithful and unfaithful, like, if we deny him, that's different than being unfaithful. Okay, so uh, if we, we can believe and we can make mistakes and God will remain faithful. If we deny him, if we reject him, if we choose not to believe in him, um, then, then he's going to deny us. But, but he's not going to reject us because we make a mistake. God is faithful. Um, he's faithful to his promises. If, 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 if Israel does not deny Christ, He is faithful to his promises. If we deny Christ, uh, you know, we're separate from him. The denying is connected with belief or unbelief or belief. Um, Do you trust in him for your salvation? Do you not? And so God did not revoke his promises. Uh, Israel is the tree that started with Abraham. God made an everlasting covenant with him because of his faith. He said that his faith was counted as righteousness. Before God, and a tree grew from that that root. So Abraham had descendants, and it grew into this this vessel through which God chose to bring salvation to the whole to the whole world. Um, and that's the tree that we, through faith in Christ, are now grafted into. It's the same tree, same root. It, it's the same faith, um, beginning with Abraham and coming up through today. Uh, Jesus taught in John chapter 10, verse 14 and 16. He talked about how there would be others coming in. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and and there will be one flock with one shepherd. One flock with one shepherd. And that one flock is the one lump, it's the one root that all began uh, with Israel and with the the patriarchs or the early nation of Israel that God set apart to be holy, to be his family. Um, We read back in verse 18 and 19 that we should not boast... That the natural-born Israelites were broken off, and that we were somehow put in as if as if we were more special than them. We're not supposed to boast uh, that we were that they were removed so that we could be grafted in. And in verse 21, it says, "For if God did not spare the natural branches, He may not spare you either." So, if if anything, the natural v- branches have the advantage over the one that's not the natural branch. I mean, if you were... Uh, you have to imagine which, which branch you think would would um, graft in m- more easily, uh, the, a branch that's from the tree or a branch that's from a different kind of tree. Uh, if there's any type of advantage, it would go towards the natural branch. Um, in this analogy of the olive tree, uh, the natural branches are more desirable than the wild ones. Um, so we're, 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 we're supposed to be humble about this we're not supposed to think that we're somehow better, um, but it's also not really meant to make us feel like we're less than either. it's not it's not that we're less than um, or that we should fear that somehow if the natural branch you know receives Christ, that somehow we're going to be broken off and be replaced by the natural branch. That's not the the point of the analogy um, but it's simply to keep us humble so that we're not thinking that somehow the Jews are are not worthy and somehow we are um, none of us are worthy <laughs> nobody is good no you know we've all sinned and so uh, it's only by belief romans uh 11 through 24 as we move forward notice how god is both kind and severe he is severe towards those who disobey but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you will, also be, you will also be cut off. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again. For God has the power to graft them back into the tree. You by nature were a branch cut from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into his cultivated tree, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree where they belong. Uh, as I was doing a, a little reading about uh, olive trees and about grafting, I found that uh, that this was a pretty common thing over the course of history, to, to graft in branches into an olive tree. Um, but... The interesting thing is is that what they, this is how it would actually work. It, they would go and they would, uh, so, so imagine there's an olive grove. And then uh, on the outskirts of the olive grove, there's some wild olive trees growing and they want to expand the olive grove. Now you have a choice. You can either cut off the, the wild olive tree, just cut it down and plant a sapling, which is gonna take a long time for that to grow and begin to produce. So what they would do is they would take the wild olive tree and they would cut off almost all of its branches. Um, you, you could you could you could just about strip it down and just leave a little bit of leaves, so it has some some life coming back into it through the photosynthesis and stuff. But um, but then they would graft in branches from good olive trees or cultivated olive trees, and so the the cultivated olive branches would make good fruit, where the wild olive branches the the fruit wasn't very good, it wasn't very desirable, and so they could actually benefit from the The root system that's already established from the wild one um, to produce good fruit so that is how it would typically work but if you look at what is being said here uh, it's it's the opposite of that instead of putting good branches that's going to bear good fruit onto this old root system this or wild root instead we're taking wild branches which have the less desirable fruit and we're putting them on the cultivated root and so it's, it's a little bit backwards. Um, it's opposite of what you'd expect that an olive farmer would do. I think they're called olive farmers. I don't know. Um, but uh, he would be for, far more eager to graft in a cultivated branch than a wild one. So grafting in a wild branch into a cultivated tree is not going to make the wild branch make the same fruit as the, the cultivated branch would. Um, but also the wild branch isn't going to change the, the root of the original tree. So, so a wild branch being put in isn't going to change what the root is. But the wild branch being grafted into a this good root is going to cause this wild branch to benefit from all the nutrients of that root. And it's going to cause it to create a, a healthy fruit of a unique variety. So something good can still come out of it. It's not going to. It's it's not the fruit that was a, um, like the cultivated one. It'll be different, but it can. But that branch can still create good fruit because it's attached to, um, to a good root, different than the original, but but uh, but healthy, and so, God has chosen to make room for us, and then the hope is is that uh, that He can show Israel. What a, what a benefit it is to be part of God's family, to be connected through Jesus Christ, that he could take even a wild branch and make it good. He could take even uh, one who wasn't originally chosen and set apart and make it holy and make it fruitful. And so uh, a strange analogy maybe, maybe reminded me of a Jackie Chan movie. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched Jackie Chan, but he's kind of known for taking whatever's around him and using it in these, you know, fight scenes with these other people. And so people would be attacking him with real weapons and he would be fighting him with, you know, a chair or a ladder or a table or something. And, and he just, he would be flipping it around and it doesn't, you know, he would win, but that doesn't speak to the, um, the chair being the best weapon. It, it just means that in the hands of Jackie Chan, it's amazing what he can do with the chair. And so we, are, uh, you know, we're the wild olive branches. And, and what, what he's saying is that we shouldn't be proud um, that somehow as a wild olive branch we're better than the cultivated ones, but how amazing it is what God can do through a wild olive branch. Um, in Acts uh, chapter 10, oh, before we read that, uh, let's, let's read uh, Romans, uh, go back to Romans again, verse 25 through 27 i want you to understand this mystery dear brothers and sisters so that you will not feel feel proud about yourselves some of the people of israel have hard hearts but this will last only until the full number of gentiles comes to christ and so all israel will be saved as the scriptures say the one who rescued rescues will come from jerusalem and he will turn israel away from ungodliness and this is my covenant with them that i will take away their sins um in acts chapter 10 you can read about the first gentile converts you can read about how uh, peter was instructed by god to go to the house of cornelius and how there cornelius had gathered all of his friends and all of his family and as peter was sharing with him uh, that that they were filled with the holy spirit and they believed and then they were baptized and uh, they were grafted into the the faith at, to this at this point, this has been the, the Church of Jesus Christ the the the, the, the Jewish faith truly I mean um, you know we kind of the Jews Israelites uh, people of the Jewish faith we still use that name for them but but the true Jewish faith really turned at, at Christ. I mean it we're, we're part of the, the Jewish faith. The, the Jewish faith is that Jesus would be born uh, as a descendant of, of uh, Abraham and that we would be grafted in. And so um, they, they believe in, you know, before Jesus and back, we believe in Jesus forward, but, but we're still part of that same root. And so, but Cornelius and his household became the first to be grafted in first to be brought into the Jewish faith, uh, not to the Jewish faith, first to be brought into, uh, first of the Gentiles to be brought into Christianity, to be brought into uh, faith in Jesus Christ. And so um, it says, though, in this this verse that someday there will be um, a last, or it indicates or kind of makes you feel like that is the case, is it says there will be a full number of Gentiles that will come into Christ, that there is a, a number that's going to happen Um that will mark a change in how Israel is going to be responding to the gospel, that there's going to be uh, an awakening that happens when this full number of Gentiles comes in to faith. And I find it interesting that he says a full number because... uh, it just shows to me that God is a, is a God of details, that God has a, a plan. When we look through Scripture, there's so many places where numbers are, are mentioned, and sometimes it, you almost wonder why. Like, why, why do you record all those things, number of, of people or number of days between things, or, you know, why is all that recorded? But God is a God of detail, and he uses numbers. He, uh, the number of days of the flood was recorded. The number of fighting men in each t- tribe was recorded. The number of years that Israel would be in exile uh, was given. The number of years between the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the birth of Christ. um, And the list goes on and on. So we should not be surprised that God has a number, that there's a a specific time uh, when God will uh, stir in the hearts of Israel, that they they will not have their hearts hardened anymore towards him and their eyes will be opened and they won't be blind uh, to see that Jesus is their Messiah. In this case, there's no number given not that anybody would have been able to keep tally of where we're at um i heard one uh, pastor say you know who knows maybe you know maybe your your neighbor is the last one you know maybe 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 there's only one more left and so the sooner we go out and we <laughs> we witness and get that last one saved you know the sooner we can see the the end coming near um some believe that at this point this will be the point of of the rapture um there's a lot of different uh Thoughts on the different timelines. I'm not going to go into all those today, but um, but there is a certain number of Gentiles that will come in, and then there will be uh, an outpouring or a incoming a harvest among the Jews. And what uh, what does it mean that all Israel will be saved? It's a little bit hard to to understand exactly what he's saying there, um, we know just from what we've read so far that it doesn't mean that every Israelite through all history is going to be saved. Um, if that were true, then Paul in the beginning of chapter 9 wouldn't have been grieving over Israel and, and recognizing that that not everyone who is of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are true, truly Israel, true Jews, truly of the faith. Um, so we know that it's not all Israel for all time. Uh, I can't say that I know for certain who all is. It could mean uh, every Jew at a particular time in history. Uh, it could mean that a vast majority of them are saved at a particular time in history. Um, maybe it means that uh, just as salvation went out into all the earth, but not everybody accepted it. Um, maybe it's it's talking about a time when, when the gospel will be presented back to the Jews again. You know, in the beginning, I said it, through the middle of Acts, the church was Jewish. It was. It was the gospel first came to the Jews, and so maybe it's saying that uh, it's referring to a time when the the primary focus of the gospel message is going to be the to the Jewish people. We know that there is a time in history where there's going to be 144,000 Jewish uh, evangelists going out and proclaiming the word of God. There's going to be 12,000 from each tribe that are going to be. Um, Servants of God, sealed by Him, um, and and maybe maybe it's through them that a vast majority of the Israelites uh, of that time are saved. Like I said I don't I don't know for sure. They're kind of interesting things to kind of look into and try and um, discuss and figure out. But we can't get too hung up on the exact details um, because because um, the truth is that that's not really the the major point. The reason. <clears throat> that Paul is sharing this with us is not so that we understand all the details, but he says that it is so that we'll not feel proud of ourselves. So we're just going back to that same that same thing. He says that all of this is being said so that we will not feel proud about ourselves as if we're somehow greater than the Jews. And instead, we should look forward to the day that they are going to be grafted back in, that there's going to be a vast number of them that is going to be grafted back into the tree of their ancestors. <clears throat> Verse 28 through 32. Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of God. Oh, sorry. Well, yes, that's true too, but many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news and this benefits you Gentiles. Yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. Now they are the rebels, and God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. For God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so he could have mercy on everyone. I I love... uh, Verse 29 right in the middle there because it kind of to me seals the deal on how we should view Israel it says that uh, For God's gift and his call can never be withdrawn and and we can see clearly God's gift and his call upon Israel We read earlier also in, in 2 Timothy where it says if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful that he can not deny who he is. He is faithful. God made covenant promises to Israel and he will hold true to his word. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come as we read these last uh, few verses of this chapter. Uh, verses 33 through 34. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways for who can know the Lord's thoughts, who knows enough to give him advice. Sorry, here I got a little lost in my notes here. So he he ends with quoting uh, verse 34. I think I've got maybe a different translation in my notes. But he quotes uh, Job in verse 24 saying, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can, knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? Um, I'm really thankful that... <laughs> That, he, uh, that Paul closes with these verses because uh, it really does kind of let us off the hook a little bit as we're looking at some of these these words and these thoughts and not sure exactly what the details are or how God wants to orchestrate all this stuff. Um, it says that we we can't understand all of God's thoughts. We're not going to understand everything that he does, but we can know that he has a plan. We don't understand the who, what, where, when, why, and how, um, but we know that he has a plan down to the detail. We can trust that that he's faithful and that he is going to work it all out just the way he intended from the beginning. <clears throat> God's uh, faithfulness uh, is demonstrated through his faithfulness to Israel. I mean, we, we see it, I mean, we're reading about it now thinking of Israel present and looking forward to their future but we we've, we've seen it all through their past how they you know god has been faithful to them even when they they turn from him they 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 worship false idols they were then exiled and they were brought back and we we talked last week about the the nation of Israel that exists today that back in 1948 god took them gathered them from among the nations and brought them Back to their land and created them we can see God's faithfulness and it's a testimony a testament to us that that God's promises are true I mean can you imagine if God would have avoided his promises to Israel you know then we look at the Bible and we look at the promises that we hold on to and you know how would we know whether or not those you know we're gonna someday fail you know so much that that God's gonna take them away from us you know but because we know that God is faithful um, to Israel, that God has never broken his promise, that God has never voided his covenant, <clears throat> that that we can trust that his covenant with us is also true and that we don't have to fear. We we don't have to fear that if we, we make X mistake, you know, that God is going to abandon us. Um, he is faithful. Romans eleven thirty six, last verse of the chapter says, For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, all glory to him forever and ever. Amen. God has no shortcomings. He is good in every way, and in every way that he's good, he is infinitely good. His mercy knows no end. His compassion knows no end. His faithfulness knows no end. And His power knows no end. All glory to Him forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, I just thank You that uh, You've shown Yourself to be faithful throughout the ages. Lord, I thank You that uh, You called a nation out of the people of the world to be uh, a root, to be a tree, uh, to be uh, a place of salvation that we could be grafted into, that we could be uh, united into, Lord, that, um, that you opened up the door where right standing with God at, at, at one time was, was only through the, the covenant with Israel. But now, Lord, through Jesus Christ, you've opened the door that all may come in that that even us wild olive branches could be grafted in and take part of the, the the fullness of the nutrients the fatness of of the the olive tree of life that that you've made available to us lord that um, we thank you that you have a plan for israel that you are faithful to restore to to turn them back to you one day um, to graft back in uh, a large number of, of your chosen people to see your promises come to fruition, to know that you are a God who does not uh, turn your back on his people, Lord, but that you your, your your mercy, your loving kindness, your gentleness, your long suffering is meant to bring us to repentance, to turn back to you and to follow you, Lord. Uh, we put our hope in you. We put our trust in you, Lord. We We desire that you would and use us uh, to to shine brightly. That the whole world, including the Israelites, including the Jewish nation, would see and know that you are God. Thank you for your Word. We thank you for its blessing in our lives in Jesus' name.